just glad to have you on your feet. You can leave it right there where I have you on your feet. I am going to read to you, amen, Hebrews 4 and 12. And it reads, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of hearts. Amen. You may be seated if you can. Amen. God has given me the title, Amen, Slice and Dice on today. Amen. Slice and dice on today. Amen. Amen. And I thank God for his word. I thank God for what he does. And amen. And I need y'all to know that God cuts away whatever is not needed. Whatever isn't useful, God cuts it away. Amen. And I believe that we are in a season of God cutting things away. Amen. And I don't know anybody in here, if you've ever been cut, and cut don't feel good. Amen. But God is a healer. Amen. So whenever he cuts something away, even though it might hurt, amen, healing is awaiting on the other side of that thing. Amen. And so I am not in Leviticus today. I am in Judges chapter 6. Amen. And in Judges chapter 6 and 7, it tells the story of Gideon. Amen. And it's if you've been in church long enough, you might know you might know the story. If not, I'm going to tell you the story today. Um, but in Judges chapter 6, uh, Gideon's story unfolds amongst the backdrop of Israel being in this recurring cycle. So if you know anything about the book of Judges, Israel would disobey God. They would go through this period of test and trial, and then God would send a judge to deliver them. And so Gideon is a part of that story. That he is a part of this cycle of disobedience, oppression. Then they would repent and then God would deliver. And so that's the first thing. If you find yourself in a cycle today, I just gave you a whole sermon. It's just that, that you need to repent and then God would deliver you. Amen. It's just that simple. Amen. If you find yourself in a cycle, just say, God, you know what? I need you. I'm sorry. I need some things worked out. I know I haven't always trusted you. I know I have not always obeyed, but I need you. I'm tired of being where I am, and God will deliver you. And so Judges chapter 6 begins with the Israelites once again doing what they do. They do evil in the sight of the Lord. They do evil in the sight of the Lord, and because they do evil in the sight of the Lord, they are oppressed by the Midianites for seven years. For seven years, they are oppressed by the Midianites. And not only the Midianites, but all of these other people that surround them. They would invade Israel during the harvest season. So if sometimes it feels like you are supposed to be in a season where you start to, to receive, and as soon as you get it, it, it gets taken. Amen. You might need to sit with the Lord. I ain't going to say, might. you need to sit with the Lord. And you need to ask them, okay, God, what's going on? And he'll reveal to you whether you're walking in error or he'll reveal to you whether you're walking in truth. And I'm just doing this to make you stronger. But whatever it is, when you know that things are not supposed to be like this, but you find yourself, you find yourself either being challenged or especially if you find yourself in a cycle, if it seems like the same thing. See, one thing about God, when God tests you, it's going to be almost kind of like a new test every time. 
But you pass it, he exalts you. It's a new test. But when it's the enemy, when it's something that you've done, it's the same one every time. Because the devil not going to use a new trick until he has to. If he can keep getting you with the same one, he's not going to pull a new one out of the bag. He's just going to keep using the same one. It's been working for years. Why would I switch up? So, so that's, that's just another little tidbit for you. So for seven years, the people of God were being, they were being oppressed by the Midianites and the people around them. They would attack during harvest season. They would destroy crops. They would take the livestock. They would, they would, they would cause widespread poverty and despair among the Israelites. And then one day in the midst of this oppression, God sends an angel to Gideon. While Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. And the reason that he was threshing wheat in a wine press was because he didn't want the Midianites to see him threshing the wheat because they would come take it. So he had to do what he had to do in secret. And see, that's how the enemy wants you. He wants you to labor under the cover of darkness. He wants you in hiding. He wants you ducking and diving. He wants you to feel like you can't walk in boldness. Because he wants you living in fear that you're going to lose something if you, if you broadly show who you are. So one day the angel appears to get in while he's threshing wheat in a wine press. He was trying to hide from the Midianites. And the angel addresses Gideon as a mighty warrior. And he declares to Gideon that God is with you. And despite Gideon's initial doubts and questions, the angel assures him of God's presence and God's promises. And he tells Gideon that God is going to deliver not only you, but all of Israel from the Midianites. And Gideon does something that I think that some of us are afraid to do. He begins to express his doubts. Right. How are you going to God? How are you going to do this through me? Right. He even. He even begins to, to question God about how did we get in this situation in the first place. When you read Judges 6 and 13, it says that Gideon said to the angel, if I may answer, why has all of this happened to us if the Lord is with us? Right? You're telling me you're going to deliver me, but why is all this stuff happening in the first place? I need you to go read the first verse. The first verse say, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. But by the time you get to the 13th verse and all this other stuff you happened, you don't forgot what you did. Or you forgot the things that have happened in the past that like, but you be thinking that God has abandoned you or left you. But anyway, Gideon is saying, God, you know, the angel is coming, the angel is telling Gideon, I'm going to deliver the people. And, and Gideon says, if I may answer, you know, if the Lord is with us, you know, what happened to all the wonderful things that God, that the things that God did, you know, in the past. And why did he stop, you know, bringing us out like he brought us out of Egypt? Why did he abandon us and leave us in this situation in the first place? And I want y'all to understand that the angel did not start explaining stuff to Gideon. The angel's response to Gideon was, I need you to go and, and, and fight the Midianites. It's okay to ask questions to God. But when God responds with a test of faith, then you need to just obey. God doesn't have to explain to you the why. It's the fact that he even talks back to you 
at all, that should give you hope. God doesn't have a problem with you asking questions. God, why did I go through this? Why are my children going through this? Why are my parents going through this? God doesn't have a problem with you asking that question. He doesn't have a problem you saying, why am I going through this financial test or trial? Why am I going through this in my marriage? God does not have a problem with you asking that. His problem comes when he tells you what to do, and then you don't obey. So Gideon says, okay, you're saying that I'm going to deliver these people, you know, but where have you been the last seven years? And the angel's response was, go do what I told you to do. Have, basically, have faith. So in response to Gideon's questions, the Lord reassures Gideon and commissions him to lead Israel's army against the Midianites. He promises him that I will be with you every step of the way. Gideon still in the 15th verse, he says, but Lord, how can I rescue Gideon? How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the tribe, right? And not only is my family the weakest, I'm the weakest in my family. Right? Right? How can I? We've been in this mess for seven years. I need some of y'all to understand the power that you have to change your situation, even though you feel helpless. I need you to understand your power to change situations, even though you feel helpless, even though you have doubts, even though you have questions about what God is trying to do. When God's response to you, and he, had, and he gives you that little piece of something that says you need to move, you need to respond to what he's saying. The number 15 means new direction. Some scholars also think it means rest. So Gideon is, and he has all of these doubts. He's asking all of this question. His people are being oppressed. God's response to all of Gideon's doubts and concerns is that I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Gideon, I'm trying to take you in a new direction. Gideon, I'm trying to give you rest. Even though you, your family is the weakest and you feel like, and you feel like you're the weakest, I'm trying to take you in a new direction. This is a slice and dice moment. This is a slice and dice moment. God is using something simple and small to do something miraculous. What you mean a slice and dice moment? God likes to strip and cut everything away till it gets down to the smallest and till it gets down to the weakest you. He want to take all your strength away from you so that he can show you that whatever you're trying to do not going to be done by your strength. It's going to be done by his strength. Because when something miraculous is getting ready to happen, only God can do it. So you can't do it in your own mind. So he say, I got to strip, I got to, I got to, I got to slice and dice all that pride. I got to slice and dice all them fears. I got to slice and dice all the work. I got to cut it all the way down so you know, like, you feel like there is no other way for this thing to be done but me. Hallelujah. So God tells him what to do. He says, you know, God tells Gideon, I'm trying to take you in a new direction. Gideon ain't finished with the questions yet. Gideon ain't finished with the doubts yet. Right. And, and, and y'all need to understand that as Gideon is asking these questions, 
He's never being disrespectful with God. He's asking God to confirm. And as I read this, I began to I began to realize that every single time that we ask God a question, God responds to us. And you might be sitting there saying, no, pastor, like I'll be struggling. Like I can't tell whether he's talking to me or not. Just because you can't understand what he's saying don't mean that he's not talking. Just because you can't understand what he's saying does not mean that he's not talking. Every single time you ask a question, he responds. Sometimes it's just not what you want to hear. And so when it's not what you want to hear, you say he's not talking. Or he tells you to do something that you feel is too hard for you to do. So you say he's not talking. Or he says, trust me, and you don't feel like trusting him right then. So you say he's not talking. He's talking. He's talking. That's how much he loves. If, if, if you're saying, God, I need this or I need this in order to get closer to you, I guarantee you that he's going to respond. He's going to either give you what you're asking for or he's going to show you why you don't need that thing to get closer to him. And this is what you need instead. But you got to really be listening. You got to be listening for his will and not your will. So God is... Gideon is he's in this battle and God is slicing and dicing. And Gideon, like he, he's working on Gideon, and he, he Gideon's like, I'm supposed to be the one, I'm the weakest one in the weakest family, and I'm supposed to be the one. God, you're gonna have to give me some confirmation that this thing can be done. He asked for some signs from the Lord. He asked for some signs for the Lord. And he right, but I need y'all to catch this when he says, you know. He basically tells the angel, he says, don't leave. Like, don't leave. I'm going to get something and I'm going to I'm going to give an offering. And when I get this offering, will you give me a sign? See, a lot of us want to ask God for signs, but what you going to give God? What are you going to give God? You want God to give you a sign. You want God to give you an answer. What are you willing to give God? What are you going to give God to work with? Getting it says, hold on, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I still have some questions. I hear, I still have some doubts. I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to think that I'm not listening, right? But I need some more confirmation. But he also had the wisdom to say, but I'm not just going to sit here and make you prove yourself to me without offering you something. I'm going to write to show you that, that I'm taking you serious, to show you that I'm at least paying you attention, God. I'm going to offer you something. I'm going to take one step. And we should know that if we take one step towards God, he's willing to take two towards us. So Gideon goes and gets an offering. He puts this offering on, on a rock and God consumes it with fire. Gideon offers worship. I guarantee you if there is something you won't change in your life, if you offer God some worship, even though the situation is not fixed, he like stop waiting till it's fixed, and then you're gonna say, "Now I will praise you." Give him something to work with in the beginning, and then things will start to make sense to you. Worship will confirm your faith, right? Worship will confirm your faith. Gideon put that offering on the rock, and the angel consumed the offering with fire. That kindled, that sparked something in Gideon. That confirmed his faith. And when God starts confirming your faith, that's when you start to get the boldness to think that now I can do the extraordinary. 
Some of y'all have no confidence in yourself, right? You have no confidence in yourself because you don't worship. Confidence comes from the from God. Confidence, boldness comes from God. If you would worship, then you would see God move. When you see God move, it gives you confidence. It gives you boldness. Then you feel like you can do the extraordinary. So read chapter six. God gives Gideon some other signs. But chapter seven is where I'm going to spend the rest of the sermon. Chapter 7 is where the real slicing and dicing. Right? Because chapter 6, Gideon just kind of, he wrestles with the fact of what God is asking him to do. And he says, okay, God, I'm going to worship. He sees what the angel does. He says, okay, that was my first step. That was my first step. Okay, at least now in my mind, I think I can do it. But now I got to actually go do it. The first step is just trusting God to, to help you believe. Right? But then once you start believing, you got to actually walk it out. Because faith, without works, is dead. Gideon couldn't say to God, I believe that you're going to do this, and then not go do it. Which is what we try to do as Christians. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. When are you going to do something? So chapter 7 is when Gideon begins to walk this thing out. So in Judges chapter 7, Gideon is instructed by God to reduce his army in order to demonstrate that victory comes from God, not human strength. I want to tell y'all that Gideon gathered 32,000 men. This little man from the smallest family, the weakest in his family, is now a commander of God's army. And I'm going to go back to six at the end and tell you how he became the commander, why everybody had faith in him to lead. But this man, this, 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 this small man from the smallest family is now the commander of 32,000 men. However, God tells Gideon that the Israelites have too many men to deliver Midian into their hands, fearing that if they used all of these men, they would boast in their own strength rather than acknowledge God's role in the victory. God said, I got to do some slicing and dice. God instructs Gideon to allow any fearful soldiers. Say, just walk out there and tell them, if we get ready to fight the meetings, if you're scared, just go home. Did y'all know 22,000 of the 32,000 went home? Then the 22,000 men were cut off because of fear. Why are you stressing that, Pastor? Because that's what happens in the house. We can all start today walking in the same direction, and I guarantee tomorrow somebody's going to get afraid, and they're going to turn around and go the other way. They're going to turn around and go the other way because of fear. Fearing what family going to say. Fearing what children going to do. Fearing what the bill collector going to say. Fearing what boss going to say. Afraid of what you got to give up. Right? You're so afraid of what you got to give up. You, you forget what you fight for in the first place, which is freedom from oppression. Freedom from these people stealing your livestock. Freedom from the enemy taking all your stuff for the last seven years. But you're so afraid. You forget that you've been in this cycle. 22,000 men leave, leaving only 10,000. 
Fear is one of the first separating factors. I have been in this church and I've seen so many people get close to their blessing. They be on, on fire for God. And then for some reason, they feel like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And they get afraid. Fear to pray. You, you, you're afraid to pray. Fear to worship. Fear to ultimately trust God. God never got upset with Gideon's question. God got God gets disappointed with our lack of response to his response to our questions. Every time we ask God for something, he responds. But, but rarely do we respond back to him the correct way. What are you afraid of? Today might be your slice and dice moment. God might be trying to say today is your day. You can be new today. You can step out in faith today. You can change your life today. You can change the trajectory of your family today. You can change what's going to happen to your children tomorrow, today. But fear going to stop somebody today. This is a slice and dice moment. God is trying to cut away all of that fear so you know it was him. Right? Because at the end of the day, you go, you should you be able to say, God, I was afraid, but I trusted you anyway, and you did all of this for me. And when you see all that he does for you, it makes you love him even more. And when you love him even more, when you worship him even more, you see more of his goodness, and then that makes you even bolder, and you keep going stronger. And that's the stuff that draws people to Christ so that they get saved. What are you afraid of? Still considering the 10,000 too many. Still considering the 10,000 too many, God directs Gideon to further refine the selection process. Gideon leads the remaining men to drink from a stream. And then he watches how they drink the water. He said, those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog or chosen. So they would scoop the water in their hand and they would sip it out of their hand. While the others got down on their knees and all four and stuck their face down in the water. Right? What they got to do? How, how that's going to separate somebody? So only 300 men scooped the water up in their hand and drank it out of their hand. And those were the ones that were chosen and readiness for battle. They didn't let their guard down. They stayed in a position to keep fighting. They didn't get all the way down and stick their hands, stick their face down in the stream. They scooped it up. They just knelt down, and they were ready to spring up at any moment in order to fight. Lord, I thank you. So out of the 10,000 who said, I'm not afraid, to do what God said we can do, only 300 was actually prepared to do it. See, some of y'all be like, I ain't afraid. I want what's wrong. Hey. But you don't do the work to actually be prepared to go conquer stuff. Right? You'll say, okay, Pastor, I'm going to walk with you. But then when stuff starts happening, you're not prepared. You, can't, you, you don't show up all the time. You don't read your word. You don't pray. You be doing all kinds of stuff throughout the week. So when, when I need, when God needs us to fight, you're not prepared to do it. So if you're saying, God, I'm going to go with you and I'm not afraid, then you got to stay ready to go to war. That's another slice and dice moment. 
God cuts it down to 300. And I need y'all to understand, when they go to fight, when you read the rest of that chapter, it was 300 in the middle, but it was thousands of the Midianites. It was thousands of them. Why am I saying that? Because I want you to understand how a small body of believers, so small like this church, can be powerful if, if we real. You can have that big old church fulfilled with all them people and them churches will be powerless. I'm not saying they not, but I need y'all to understand that the numbers to God don't matter. God is about slicing and dicing. That's why I was on the 12 disciples. And from them 12 disciples, the gospel spread over this whole earth to the fact that we still preaching it today. From 12 men, not 12,000, not 12 million, from 12 men. God is about slicing and dicing. This selection process ultimately demonstrates that victory comes not through human might, but through God's intervention. God is always trying to intervene in your situation. Y'all hear what I say? God is always trying to intervene in your situations, but your bad habits of fear and not staying prepared for the moves of God, hinder your obedience in those moments. God is always trying to work something out for you, but you either, one, you get scared, or two, you're not prepared when he's ready to move. Y'all heard me? You either get scared, or you're not prepared when he's ready to move. So you don't get counted in the three hundred. You're not part of the 300 that's going to get the victory because you either get afraid or you're not prepared. I'm not ready yet, God. And that's how you end up on the outside of the 300. I want to be on the inside of the 300 that has the power to destroy whole armies. I want to be a part of the 300 that's ready. Lord, I thank you. And so the part of chapter 6 that I did not cover, the part that I skipped over, I jumped from Gideon hearing from the angel to them going to get ready to fight. There was a part in between in chapter 6, verses 25 through 32. And this is where the, this is where the thing really started for Gideon. This is what prepared Gideon to lead an army of men and if you catch on to this, this is what will prepare you for whatever challenge you face in your life. In verses 25 through 32, it says that Gideon's obedience, Gideon was obedient to God in terms of tearing down his father's altar. So while they were in this, while they were in this cycle, the reason that they were in the cycle was because they were worshiping the gods of the people that were around them. They were worshiping Baal, and they was worshiping Ashtera. They were worshiping these false gods. And when the angel started talking to Gideon and gave him those signs that he was called to do this work, the very first thing that God gave him to do, he gave him a personal test to do in his own house. See, God ain't going to send you out here to minister to people and change the world or do whatever to fight battles out in the battlefield 
when you're afraid to even fight the battles in your house first. After, after God confirmed, like after, after God confirmed and Gideon accepted that, you know what? I do have value. God does have a plan for my life. Even though I'm the smallest in my family, God does love me. I am smart. After God confirmed all of those things in Gideon, the first test was in his house. He says, go tear down your father's altar. So he tears down his father's altar, right? And the pole that was beside it is the pole that they would worship, right? They would worship at. God told Gideon to cut this thing down. Now I want you to basically turn it into firewood, and then I want you to offer a burnt sacrifice on top of it. Initially, Gideon was hesitant to carry out his command because what? He was afraid. Because everybody else worshiping these false gods, and he was like, I'm afraid if I switch up, if all of a sudden, if I if I burn my idols, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if all of a sudden I put down the stuff that my friends seen me do for the last 20 years, if all of a sudden I switch up and, and I'm not doing what we used to do anymore, right? So initially he was afraid. That was the first, y'all understand? That's the first step. See, God don't give give you tests that like he don't. Uh, the same test is for everybody. How he cut the thirty two thousand down? He sliced and diced on getting it first. He said, "Let me see if you gonna be afraid first. He wasn't just gonna test the soldiers. He said, "If you gonna be the leader, I gotta test you too. Let me see if you gonna be afraid." So he instructs him to tear down this altar. He does it. Right? He was afraid of the repercussions from his family and the people in the town. However, under God's guidance, he gets 10 servants. Once again, a small number. He gets 10 servants and they help him tear down this altar. Then they cut down this pole. And they use the wood to build an altar to the Lord. And when the people of the town discover what Gideon has done, they're outraged. And they demand that Gideon's father, Joash, bring Gideon out to be punished. However, Joash defends Gideon. Let me tell you, when you switch up something, when you decide to burn your idols, God, the Father, your Father will defend you. Regardless of what your friends and your family say, the Father will defend you. And I need y'all to catch this. I need you to understand what the Father says. Right? When he's defending Gideon, Joash defends Gideon, right? And he reads it. This is what he tells the people. He say, if Baal is truly a god, then he can defend himself. Let him come and punish Gideon. And that's how you have to be. Like y'all were, if y'all worried about me burning my idols, if y'all worried about me getting my life together, if y'all are worried about me living for the Lord, then let's see who's gonna win. I'm gonna trust my God, you trust your God, and we'll see who's gonna win. Y'all saying this, y'all saying these things are, 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 are God. Y'all saying that money is powerful. Y'all saying that these people got influence. Y'all saying that these are the people that make the rules. Right? Let's see who's gonna win. My God against everything the world say is powerful. Let's see who's gonna win. And so from that day forth, Gideon was known as Jerubabal which means let Baal contend against him, right? So from that day forward, he got the nickname like, you know, 
Basically, if you say he's not real, then try him. Try him and see. Try him and see. He got this nickname to sit to symbolize that he was defiant against the worship of anything that was not the true God. And it was this act of obedience and bonus by Gideon in destroying the altar that marked the turning point in his leadership journey. That was a slice and dice moment. God cut away Gideon's fear of what friends and family was going to say. God cut away his fear of all the repercussions that the people in the town could have brought to him. God cut it away. And his father defended him. Do you trust the father to defend you today if you decide to change your life? Amen. This was a turning point. This, that's why I was a slice and dice moment because something had to change. It demonstrated Gideon's commitment to following God's commands. And I'm almost done, JJ. And his willingness to change the idolatry that plagued Israel. Y'all gotta, y'all understand, like, so when I'm reading you this, Gideon is not the first judge. They've been in this cycle. I know that what I read about Gideon, it's been seven years. But when you read the whole book, we're talking about hundreds of years. Then they go through cycles. And every time, every time somebody was willing, every time somebody was willing to stand up for God, God changed everything. That can be you. If you are willing to stand up for God, God can change everything. But you can't be afraid. And you got to stay prepared. You got to be prepared. So when God says, now is the time to talk to your mom. When God says, now is the time to talk to your spouse. Now is the time to talk to your child. You got to be prepared with the words to say. You got to be so prayed up that you know exactly what to do, exactly how to move in that moment. And you can't be afraid. And you can change everything. You can end cycles. Your grandmama did it. Your mama did it. You did it. And for some strange reason, you think your daughter ain't going to do it. They're going to do it. Unless it's a slice and dice moment. Your granddaddy was angry. Your daddy was angry. You angry. And you expecting your son not to be angry. He gonna be angry. Unless it's a slice and dice moment. Unless somebody stands up. And the thing about God, you might not change it. God gonna present your son or your daughter with the same opportunity. You wanna be Gideon or you want them to be Gideon? But God going to get the glory. He going to raise up somebody. He going to raise up somebody to save other people. You can either be a part of the 300 or you can be a part of the 22,000 that went to the house. Lord, I thank you. His faithfulness sets the stage for his role as a deliverer. God can work through you to deliver people. Lord, I thank you. How are you looking at today? 
is this the day or this is a regular Sunday in February? Nothing special about it. You came in good. You came in. Everything is, is good. It's, it's peachy. You ain't got no problems, no worries, no fears. You know, nothing that you came. You didn't come here looking for God to do nothing for you. So, you know, I just went to church today. I just went to church today. Or is this the day that you want God to take, do something new in your life? To change how you live? To change the life of the people you say you love? You notice I say you say you love. Love is an action word. Y'all get ready to buy Valentine candy and stuff on the 14th. And chocolate ain't saving no soul. If you love somebody, if you love somebody, you're going to give them the word. It's a nice gesture. The flowers and flowers and teddy bears, it's a nice gesture. It's cute. But it ain't going to make you be faithful. It ain't that. And the flowers ain't going to make them tell the truth. It ain't going to make them live holy. Love is what it does. make you so crazy that you stop being afraid. When you realize how much God, God loves you and the purpose that he has for your life, it makes you not be afraid. And it makes you want to be around him all the time so that you can stay prepared to defend all of the promises. surgery on you, don't don't miss it. You want to be on the right side of the cut. You want to be in the 300. Not in the ones that go home. Amen. Y'all come on and give the Lord a hand. to the Lord. Amen. That means if you are not saved, if you are not saved, if you have not committed your life to the Lord, today is the day. That means if you want to be forgiven of your sins, you know you ain't been living right, you know you ain't been, you just, you just ain't right, and you don't know what to do. You don't have an answer for everything that's going on with you. Remember what I just preached. Number one, don't be afraid. And number two, be ready to move when the opportunity presents itself. And that time is now.